0: all right well good evening church welcome to wednesday night service and welcome to you folks online so happy that you're here i'm happy to be here as well my name is for those of you don't know me my name is leon barber i'm the executive director here at harvest church and our pastors and their family are on a well-deserved vacation yes and they'll be back this week boy we really we really miss them But aren't you glad that we're part of a church where the leadership makes sure that there's somebody here that's gonna feed you the word. Amen? Amen. 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 I mean, a week before, Curtis did an amazing job. Last week, Michael did an amazing job. (laughs) Praise God. And um, I'm gonna take a little time to talk tonight about, we've been talking about faith for weeks. Pastors and others have been teaching on a subject, incredibly important subject. I want to talk a little bit tonight about the role that our words play in making our faith works. And uh, I'll explain in a few minutes, but I'm really excited about this because I really believe that God gave his word to me to help someone besides me. (laughs) So how many of us are believing God for something? We're standing in faith for something. Amen. I see hands all over the place. So here's a question for you. What are we saying about that which we are in faith for? What are we saying about that which we are in faith for? A lot of Christians don't realize that what we say has a very important, is a very important component of receiving that which we are in faith for. Do you know you can't even be saved without speaking about it? Look at the scripture. I want you to see this. Where's Monica? Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I had the wrong scripture. I had, to, I had, I had, I had Proverbs 10.9. I was sort of in Romans 10.9. She texted me like a few minutes ago. Brother Leon, you need to change that. I said, okay, thank you. So Romans 10.9, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10, and in the easy to read version. I love anything that has the word easy in it. Easy to read version. Listen to this. It says, if you openly say, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, raised him from death. You will be saved. Yes, we believe in Jesus deep in our hearts, and so we are made right with God. And we openly say that we believe in him, and so we are saved. It's those two things together. Did you catch that? Believing in our hearts, saying with our mouths, that's how we get saved. And this evening we're going to give you a little bit and a little bit of time I have here now to see how that applies to everything else in our faith walk. You know, it is... It's incredibly vital for us to, on a consistent basis, to fellowship with God, to speak with God, to listen to him mostly by reading his word, to attend church, to supplement that with devotionals, worship music, podcasts, etc. So I'll tell you a little bit about what I do early, pretty much every morning. I read a chapter from Proverbs based on the day of the week, like today is the 23rd. I read Pro- Proverbs the 23rd chapter, been doing that for years. I heard a pastor say, Proverbs day keeps, keeps the devil away. I said, amen. Um, and then I read in sequence a chapter from one of the four Gospels. And then when I finish that Gospel, and then I start reading the epistles. All the way from Acts through Jude. And then I start over again. So, just coincidentally, I just uh, started this month with the book of Luke. I was reading chapter 1 when I read something. I've seen this many times. But this time, how many of y'all have read through the Bible many times, but then you, you hit the scripture and it's like, boom, whoa. This was, this was a moment for me. So you got to, I want you to pay real close attention now. This is a little lengthy, but this is Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 20 in the, the Passion Translation. During the reign of King Herod, the King Herod the Great of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zachariah. Zachariah was the father of John the Baptist, who served in the temple as part of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also from a family of priests and was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God, living virtuously, and following the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. But they were childless since Elizabeth was bearing, and now they were quite old. One day, Zachariah's priestly order was on duty and he was serving as priest. He was chosen by the casting of lots according to the custom of the priesthood. So the honor fell upon Zachariah to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. Large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when incense was being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Can you imagine? You're doing what God told you to do in the house of God. And all of a sudden, I heard, uh, I was reading, Dad Hagen said one day, God allowed him to see his angel. He said, there was a big fellow, about eight foot tall. And uh, can you imagine? No, y'all couldn't imagine. No, okay. I I was like, I was just imagining that day. So uh, where was I? Ah, here we go. But the, the angel came, but the angel reassured him, saying, "Don't be afraid, Zachariah. God is showing grace to you, for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him, and he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink. But he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while still in his mother's womb, and he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Let's pause right here. Zechariah, the high priest, had just received a tremendous word from God Almighty, personally delivered by an angel. That was an incredibly supernatural event. Y'all would agree with that, right? Question for you. How many times have we received a word from God, either by reading the Bible, sitting here in service, someone that we know and respect gives a word to us, while we were praying, something that was life changing? Here's the next question. Now, what did we say when we heard that word? Listen to what Zechariah said, verse 18. Zechariah asked the angels, how do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man. My wife's too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? I got to tell you, when God gives you a word, that is not the appropriate response. Because <laughs> the angel said, check this out. I love this. He said, I am Gabriel. Is that who you named your son after? Amen. I am Gabriel. I stand beside God Himself. He gave his credentials. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. And you know, I can just imagine in my mind that the angel is probably a little irritated by what Zechariah said. Because in verse 20, he says this: now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled. At their appointed time and a child is born to you that will be your sign (laughs) I said Lord Jesus as I was reading that last verse it really impacted me as this question came up in my mind why was Zachariah stricken silent until after his son John the Baptist was born the Bible doesn't say why I've got an opinion I believe that Zachariah was rendered unable to speak temporarily because his words could have potentially altered what God had planned on doing. His words. What he said to Gabriel was in stark disagreement to the word from the Lord God Almighty that he had just heard. He expressed doubt and not faith in what he was told. Our words, positive or negative, will create our reality, what are we saying? Are we agreeing with God or not? Zachariah did not realize that God's Word has within it the power to bring it to pass. In Luke one thirty-seven, 37 Amplified it says, for with God nothing is ever impossible and no word from God shall be without power or impossibility of fulfillment. So how does this all relate to us? How does this relate to our faith? Let's go to the scripture that Dad Hagen made famous, Mark 11:23. 23. I think some people thought, think that Dad Hagen actually wrote that scripture. It says, truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will, will be done for him. In the book, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, how many of you heard of a guy by the name of Rick Renner? Sparkling Gems from the Greek by Rick Renner. He writes this. He talks and gives a little bit of explanation about this scripture, Mark 11:23. He says this. Mark 11:23 is a powerful verse about faith and confession that believers claim and use around the world. But the principle in this verse works in both a positive and a negative sense. According to what Jesus taught in this verse, we can bring to pass whatsoever we say and believe in our heart. Did you notice that Jesus said that if we say something and shall not doubt in our hearts, in other words, if we believe the words we are speaking out of our mouths, we will have exactly what we say. Now listen to this. He goes on by saying the word doubt is from the Greek word diakrinomai. See, y'all don't know, so I'm... (laughs) But here's what it means, here's what he wrote in man. That word means to hesitate, to waver, to doubt, or to differ. Church, please get this, get this. What Jesus is saying here, that it's the combination of our heart and mouth in agreement will always make things happen. Always make things happen. That's the reason why pastors are always encouraging us to renew our minds on the word of God. To find scripture for what we desire to have happen in our lives, Get that scripture into our hearts and then start confessing that scripture with our mouths. That's when things start to happen. For instance, are you feeling worried? This is what God said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. He said, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Don't worry. Be happy. Amen. God wrote that. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell God every detail of your life then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Get that word in your heart and then say something like this, God, I come to you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. You said in your word for me not to worry. So guess what God, I'm not worried. I'm going to stay in obedience to you. I refuse to be worried because that's what you said. And I thank you for your awesome peace that is guarding my heart and mind right now in Jesus name. That's what you do. Hey, do you have any cares or anxieties? Listen to this. Listen to what God said in 1 Peter 5, 7. He said, cast the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on him. I heard, I think it was Miles Monroe years ago. How many of you heard of Miles Monroe? I'm dating myself here. Okay. But I heard him say on TV once, he said, that particular scripture, he said, I want you to get a picture in your mind you have an old Volkswagen, and you're pushing it up. You and your buddies are pushing it up a hill because it stopped running. And so it's, it's like a 6,000-foot uh, hill. And you get to the very top, and you're up so high that when you look down, all you see are clouds. That's how high you are. He said, your problems are in that Volkswagen. You push it off the cliff. You can't even see it. It's gone. He said, that's the way you, you need to... Uh, That's the way you need to obey that scripture. You give it to God, and you no longer have it. I know it's tough. Try it. Try it. Get that word in your heart, and then say this. God, in accordance with your word, I cast all of these cares upon you, all of these anxieties upon you once and for all. And I thank you for showing me the way out and what specifically I need to do. Father God, I thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Anybody in here, you don't need to raise your hand, but if you're battling any sickness or illness, here's what God said in 1 Peter 2.24. He, Jesus himself, carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we will be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing, it says in the Passion Translation, our instant healing flow from his wounding. Get that word in your heart and then say something like this. God, you said, you said, you said. In 1 Peter 2.24, that by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. You said my instant healing flowed from his wounding. Thank you for my healing, Father. I receive it. It's mine. My words, your words are lining up with the word of God. That's when things start to happen. Hey, are you experiencing money challenges? Here's what God said in Malachi 3.10. I am the Lord all-powerful. I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire ten percent into the storehouse so there will be food in my house. Then I will open up the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. Get that word in your heart. Act on it and say something like this: God, I'm putting you in remembrance of your word. I'm a tither and I'm a giver, Father, right in accordance with Malachi 3:10. You said if I bring my tithe into the storehouse, you would open up the windows of heaven. And you would just bless us and bless us and bless us. So, Father, right now I'm standing on that word. I thank you for it, Father God. It's done in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what we have to do, church. That's what we have to do. Get the word, get it in your heart, speak it out of your mouth, and don't ever, I don't care what it looks like, I don't care what it feels like, I don't care what anybody says, go with God. Are you getting the picture? Awesome, awesome. To live victoriously the way that our Heavenly Father wants us to live is absolutely vital that we get his words in our heart and then speak those words out of our mouth. So I've got four things that have helped me, and I believe it will help you just to make sure that what we're saying matches what God's saying. Are you guys ready? Y'all ready? I think two, okay, two of you are ready. All right. It's okay. I know you're listening very, I would sit there sometime, just listen to pastor. And it, my wife says, Will you lighten up man, you're so intense. <laughs> Number one, be very careful about what you focus on and what gets into your heart. Luke six forty five says, good people have good things saved in their hearts. That's why they say good things. But those who are evil have hearts full of evil. And that's why they say things that are evil. What people say with their mouths, comes what fills their hearts. You know, a long time ago, you, you a lot of you heard my story. I was driving back and forth to Washington, DC, and I had uh, Sirius XM radio in my car. woo And I would spend all my time listening to the news. Oh, man, traveling back and forth from North Carolina, DC, you get to hear a lot of stuff. I listen to CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, local news, political talk shows, etc. And you know what? Later on, I started realizing I said, while I was doing that, I was always feeling bad. And I was usually upset most of the time. How many of y'all know, listen to all those political shows, man, they get you upset, right? Now mind you, I believe God graced me because I didn't go off on a deep end because I, <laughs> I was attending Harvest Church, I was in the Word, at least I was doing that and I was getting fed the Word of God, but, and this is important, I was taking in a lot more of what the world was saying than what God was saying. The words I was feeding on the most is what was getting into my heart, which was why a lot of the time, I said a lot of the wrong things. Didn't even know it, but praise God, he woke me up. Hey, listen, I totally stopped watching watching it, listening to, feeding on the news, I started watching, listening, to feeding on God's word, praise music. I started praying more, particularly in the Holy Spirit. I started getting his word into my heart. And that's what started and continues to come out of my mouth. You know, so I had some friends of mine. Well, they're not really friends. I guess they're more associates. Because one guy said, he says, you know, I told you. He said, did you see what happened on the news? I said, dude, I, no, I didn't see it. But please don't tell me about it. Because <laughs> is it ever good? It's never good. So please don't tell me about it. He's like, man, you're crazy. You got, you got to know what's going on. I said, well, you know what? I've got people like you in my life that don't, if something barely bad happens, they're going to pick up the phone or they're going to text me and let me know what's going on. So um, you're going to get it one way or the other. I can count on them to let me know. But I learned, to, I learned a long time ago that what is oftentimes presented to us on the news as fact will change. For instance, here in North Carolina, our weather is rather famous. Doesn't matter what the weatherman says, that's, that's totally irrelevant. I don't even know why they're on TV. But you know, it could be like a beautiful day like today, and nobody's forecasting rain. And then all of a sudden in Kernersville, boom, clouds, it rains for like three days and three nights. <laughs> now, the weather person said, It's going to be sunny and mild all day today, not a drop of rain. That was their fact. That fact changed. Let me tell you about the word of God. It is truth, and truth never changes. Don't get it twisted. God is not a liar. He is not a liar. If he said it, he will do it. Oh, man. Whoo, I'm getting excited up here. Truth never changes. God's word is the truth. Number two, decide once and for all. Folks, this is something you have to do. You, if you want to live victoriously in the things of God, you have to do this. You have to decide. You have to make a decision in your mind that you will never, ever, ever doubt what God says. James 1. I love the book of James. James was the brother of Jesus. And it's a small book. But every word in that book is so powerful, so powerful. He said this, but when you ask God, you must believe. Don't doubt him. I could hear him talking in my ear. Whoever doubts is like a wave in the sea that is blown up and down by the wind. People like that are thinking two different things at the same time. That was, that was me. They can never decide what to do, so they should not think that they will receive anything from the Lord. What we need to do is we need to accept what God says is truth, regardless of the circumstances. We need to stay positive, and we need to speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. And when you finish speaking the word, then you need to speak the word. Amen. Hebrews 11.6 in the message translation says this, It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. I've heard both of our pastors say that the highest expression of faith is when when we speak God's word over our situations despite what we feel, what we think, what we see, what we hear. That's the highest expression of faith. When we do this, God is very pleased. Very pleased. Number three. Fellowship with God daily, no matter whether you feel like it or not. I usually get up around, what time do I get up? Five. And I guarantee you, many a day I do not feel like getting out of bed at five o'clock. But boy, once I get downstairs and I start getting into that word, I am so happy that I did. Once I, I got this particular couch that I sit on in the dark and I just pray in the Holy Spirit, Man. That is some good communication and communion with God. Fellowship with God daily. Stay before him in prayer, in his word, like Michael says Sunday, on our knees. Attending services where the word is preeminent, like here at Harvest Church. Listen to what God says in Deuteronomy 4.29. But even there, if you seek God, your God, you'll be able to find him if you're serious looking for him with your whole heart and your whole soul. When when troubles come and all these awful things happen to you, in future days you will come back to God, your God, and listen obediently to what he says. God, your God, is above all a compassionate God. In the end, he will not abandon you. He won't bring you to ruin. He won't forget the covenant with your ancestors which he swore to them. Talk to God. Tell him everything. I heard pastors say this, first time I heard it, I was like, what? He says, Leon, you can vent to God. You don't need to vent to people. He said, you vent to people, first of all, most times when you're venting to people, they can't help you anyway. Only God can help us, amen? He said, "But, but God doesn't mind us venting to him. I've taken him up on that too, and it works. Tell him everything. Walk with him. Obey him everything will work out if if we're speaking God's word we got God's word in our heart we're speaking it out of our mouth everything will work out number 4 while we're standing in faith for what we're believing God for we must remain positive in our attitude and again most importantly what we speak do not doubt God i'm repeating this because I don't know about you, but I can't hear this enough. Do not doubt God. The world will try to get you, not just to doubt God, but to forget that he even exists. Don't listen to the world. There's a song our worship team sings that has a verse in it that says, I'm not even going to try to sing it because I don't want y'all to run me out of here. God, you said it. I believe it. You said it. It is done. I love that song. To be victorious in life, that is what we must believe in our hearts and speak with our mouth every day. I want you to listen to this. This is an excerpt from the devotional book, Health Food, by Kenneth or Dad Hagin. This is from August the 13th. He says this. He says, I've had many people say to me over the years, the doctor told me I will be dead in three months. This is Dad Hagen talking. Some of them were healed of incurable diseases, such as cancer. But others died in three months. Did God show favoritism? No. God is not a respecter of persons. What happened What happened then? Some of them opened the door and said, come on in, God. And he came in. Others kept the door shut on God. God's hands were tied, so to speak. He couldn't come in and help them because some were in doubt and the others were in faith. How do we know when we're in doubt or in faith? By what comes out of our mouth. We read the scripture a little while ago in the message translation. Let's look at Hebrews eleven six 6 now in the easy to read version. Without faith, no one can please God. No one. Whoever comes to God must believe that he is real and that he rewards those who sincerely try to find him. You know, you know you're full of the word of God. I heard Bishop Hash say this. When you squeeze a tomato, what do you get? When you squeeze an orange, what do you get? When the trials and tribulations of life start squeezing us, what's coming out of us? If it's the word of God, we're in great shape, no matter what's going on, amen? Amen. So recap, four things that we can do. Be very careful about what we focus on, what gets into our heart. Decide once and for all to never doubt what God says. Fellowship with God daily. And I repeat, do not doubt God. Now, I have a bonus for you folks. If I can pull this up. How many of you have heard of Larry Stockstill? Pastor of Bethany Church, yeah. Um, Great church, 63 years old. His, His father was the pastor. Then he was the pastor. Now his son, Jonathan, is the pastor. I subscribed to, uh, to his blog. This came in, today's Wednesday, this came in on Monday. This is going to help somebody. So this is Larry Stockstill speaking. We got the call last Sunday evening. My son in law's father and three other scuba divers had disappeared that morning 50 miles offshore in North Carolina. Fifty miles offshore, these scuba divers were. His son-in-law's dad was among them. There was a a big TV thing about it. Little hope remained of finding them. The search and rescue convoy called it a one in 50 million chance to find them. One in 50 million. Again, this is Pastor Stocksville speaking. We awaken the next morning to the joyous news, however. On the last pass of the night, a C-130 pilot spotted a flashing SOS out of the corner of his eye. They were rescued. 17 hours bobbing in 20 to 30 foot seas. No hope but God. Now listen to this. This is is bonus class. (laughs) Maintain these principles when facing a hopeless situation. Number one, don't look at the odds. Look at your God. The odds were 1 in 50 million. Vast miles of oceans are covered with time running out. The risk of a shark attack in heavily shark-infested waters. I totally agree with this next statement. He says, the odds are pointless. They drain our hope. What were the odds that God would open up the Red Sea and 2 million people would cross on dry land? Well, What were the odds of that happening? He says, keep your eyes on God, not on odds. Number two. Remember God's past faithfulness. What has God done for you in the past? This is, this is him. That he said, he rescued my wife and I from malaria several times while we were in Africa. He protected my wife when she was hit by a dump truck broadside. Call to mind his former miracles and works in your life. The same God who rescued you before will rescue you again. Leverage his past deliverances and say out loud, he did it before and he'll do it again. Number three, release God's angels to work. He said, I do not doubt that God released angels to help that pilot spot a little flashlight on his last pass at 2.30 in the morning. Within minutes, they were in a lifeboat, and within a short time, a destroyer picked them up. Angels rescued Peter the night before his execution. Angels stood between hungry lions and Daniel in a pit. One angel killed 185,000 of Israel's enemies in one night. Ask God to release the armies of heaven on your behalf. Number four, relax and don't get angry at God or others. Our mouth tends to really get active when we sense no hope. Going back to what we just talked about. We start blaming everyone, the doctors, relatives, corporations, even God. Stay in your rest. If you don't have the word of God to say, don't say anything. Stay in your rest, be still. Don't let others provoke you to make big statements. Stand still and see the salvation of God. When fear takes over, there's truly no hope. And number five, give God great glory when he does his work. The four divers hugged their families on the shore when the headlines and the pictures broke the following day. The Today Show did a story. Thousands covered the fantastic details of how they were separated from the scuba boat pushed by the Gulf Stream over 20 miles further offshore. God got great glory. Hopeless? (laughs) That doesn't mean anything to God. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for that word, Father. Oh, God, you are so great. You are so awesome. We love you, Father. With all of our hearts, we love you. Thank you. Help us all, Father to get your word deep down in our hearts. Help us all, Father, to speak that word despite what we see, despite what we feel, despite what we hear. Thank you, Father. You will deliver us all, and you will help us all. We appreciate it, Father. We love you, honor you, bless you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.